The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Hey there, it's Gary Parish. It's Monday, June 7th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, Dodo Birds and Leaky Black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And as previously noted, at least once a week in advance of the 2021 NBA draft that is scheduled for July 29th, we're going to be dedicating an episode of the Ion College Basketball Podcast to a notable prospect, same way we did in advance of last year's draft. We started the series two weeks ago with a 22-minute profile of Cade Cunningham. We follow that with 22 minutes on Evan Mobley. And today we will turn our attention to another consensus top five pick, Gonzaga star Jalen Suggs. He's a six foot four lead guard who averaged 14.4 points, 5.3 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and 1.9 steals in 28.9 minutes per game for a Gonzaga team that advanced to the title game of the NCAA tournament and finished 31 and one. He shot 50.3% from the field, 33.7% from three, and 76.1% from the free throw line. Every mock draft I've seen, has Jalen Suggs in the top five. I actually have him going second overall behind only Cade Cunningham. Team need aside, where are you taking Jalen Suggs in this draft? First, second, third, or somewhere else? For me, and I have not released a mock draft yet at CBS, uh, right now this morning, I, I think I'm taking him second. I, 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 think, we, I think we agree. He is... As enjoyable of a guard prospect to watch coming out of college. Like, the last college player, I think, from an all-around standpoint, I loved watching as much as Suggs was probably... I was thinking about this. It was probably D'Angelo Russell, who was in the 2015 draft. Maybe there was one or two NBA prospects since then that come close. But what's there not to love about his game? In fact... Um, these podcasts tend, as we usually tend to talk about, you know, top 10 prospects, uh, it's not that they don't have weaknesses, it's just that they don't have a ton of them because that's why they're top 10 prospects. With Suggs in particular, you can make the case that he has fewer weaknesses in his game right now than any other prospect in this draft class. And for that reason alone, I think that's why he should still be and is still in the conversation to go number one overall. I think Cade Cunningham's overall... I think what he provides is a narrow, uh, gives a narrow case above Suggs. But I love Suggs' game. I have since I saw him play against Kansas in the season opener. Impossible not to not to love what he brings to the floor. So we are on the same page. We would both put him right now, and I don't see why that's going to change. We would have him going number two in this class. I know most people believe there's a consensus top five in this draft. We can mix up the order, but it's Kate Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green, and Jonathan Kaminga. And I agree with that. Those are the top five prospects um, 
if, if I were publishing a big board, that's what it would look like. But Jalen Suggs is the only prospect that I would consider first overall other than Cade Cunningham. So I agree that the top five should be the top five in some order, but I think the top two should be the top two in some order. And it should be Kate Cunningham and, and Jalen Suggs. And the thing that would scare me, because let me be clear, I would take Kate Cunningham number one. But the thing that would scare me about passing on Suggs is that we might look up in two years and go, you saw all of it. You saw every bit of it. Why, why did you not think that guy was going to be great? What is important? In the, he's an athlete. He's a, a, a playmaker. Mm-hmm. He might just have, as they say, it. You know, he, total winner. I, I talked to Mark Few, his coach at Gonzaga, a couple of weeks ago, just sort of looking back on, you know, the title game and the tournament and the, the, the season in general. And at one point I asked him about Suggs. Like, you know, when, when, when NBA people call you to, to talk about him, what do you tell them? And he's like, total winner, great teammate, unselfish, incredible character like he checks all of those boxes now is he six eight point guard like Kay Cunningham no he's six four but when you take everything into account I'm with you he he's not a perfect prospect none of these guys are but there aren't many things to find issues with Uh, the most obvious one is like you know he he shot you know low 30s from three that's got to get better you know, if you're going to have the ball in your hands as much as he's going to have the ball in his hands at the in, in the NBA, um, it, particularly with the way the game's played today, you, you don't have to be able to make that shot better than that. But it, it can be the it, it's a real difference maker. So right now, that's an, an area of somewhat concern, but everything else is is right there. I mean, he's a plus defender, incredible competitor. Mm-hmm. Winner, good for the culture, because um, he's a high character by all accounts. And I know it got said four times in every game he played on television that he was a quarterback in high school. <laughs> but, like, he was a quarterback in high school. And I do think that's something to consider as well. Like, th- this guy won state titles in football and basketball in high school. He was Mr. Basketball in the state of Minnesota and Mr. Football in exactly. the state of Minnesota. He was both. Mr. Football and Mr. Basketball in Minnesota. He was both best player in that state, both sports, scholarship offers, Ohio State and Notre Dame to play football. I don't think that's nothing. I know it got mentioned a ton, but the, Suggs' situation as a top five pick, it, it is not common. Okay, he could have, he could be starting at Ohio State next year. And, and listen, there might be some diehard Ohio State. No, there's no, there's no shot he would, but you get what I'm saying. Like He was considered that good, so I just wanted to emphasize that point because I was going to bring it up if you didn't. I know that got brought up a ton, GP, but we don't have players like him who were great at both of those levels uh, and have those kind of scholarship offers. In fact, the thing I love about Suggs, and he talked about this, he specifically liked Gonzaga. This, this shows a weird level of maturity. Because he loves football as well. He went to Gonzaga in no small part because it did not offer football in any kind of way. He did not want any distractions. He made his choice. When he left high school, he was going to pursue a professional path in basketball. He was going to put football to the side. He So he had offers to go to all these other places, but one of the big appeals to Gonzaga was its basketball-only kind of culture, and I think that also plays into this. 
Yeah, the way the the reason I bring up the football thing isn't just to say, hey, he was a great football player too. Like, uh, you know, if another prospect was like really good on the piano, um, like, hey, he's got this other skill. The football thing matters. It, it shows up in basketball, mm-hmm. and the most obvious place it showed up in the Final Four against UCLA. He blocks Cody Riley at the rim. Tie game. It's like 77-77, two minutes to go. Blocks Cody Riley at the rim. By the way, Cody Riley's six foot nine. He blocked him at the rim. Not a lot of point guards are going to be able to do that. That shows an incredible um, athletic ability that you either have it or you don't. He has it. And then gathers two dribbles, half-court bounce pass to Drew Timmy, basically through three defenders. The buzzer beater to win the game and advance the Zags into Monday night is the memorable highlight that Mm -hmm. you will be watching um, right next to Bryce Drew's highlight and Christian Leitner's highlight for the rest of your life. Bryce does care. But but that is the highlight that if you're an NBA front office executive, you go, okay, that what other point guard or six foot four player can can make that block can gather that ball, can take two dribbles, see that pass, then make that pass. That's special. When you can do that, that's special. And just when you combine everything else, there's just not a whole lot not to to like here. Um, If you told me he's going to be a 38% three-point shooter by year three, I would tell you Jalen Suggs is is going to be a a consistent all-star in the NBA. That is the only thing that's missing right now. And I don't think it, it's necessarily a thing that's going to miss forever. Like it, it's got to improve, but when you watch him shoot, it's not, you don't go, Ooh, it, it doesn't make you squirm. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't make enough of them. Right. But given his reputation as a worker, um, he, he, he'll rec- he already recognizes that. And I, it, it's an area in which you'll, improve and if he improves enough then you got something really special so i got thoughts on thoughts on thoughts here so first of all yes you're 100 percent right about the suggs play in the national semifinal uh with the block and then that just <laughs> devastating pass in transition was which is a thing of beauty there was another play from december and after this podcast publishes a couple hours later, I'll just quanta I'll, I'll retweet it and sharing the podcast on Twitter so you can see it if you've forgotten about it. But it's when Gonzaga played against Iowa in South Dakota. Suggs is getting pressured as he comes across half court. He's double teamed. He makes a bad he makes a bad bounce pass and it's stolen by CJ Frederick. Now when CJ Frederick gets the ball, he's just above the opposing three-point line, and then suddenly Iowa has a three-on-one transition opportunity, the one for Gonzaga being Suggs. Suggs recovers, and he so perfectly times his jump to C.J. Frederick, who thinks he's got a fairly easy layup, and Suggs blocks the shot, no contact midair. It's the, it's the kind of athletic play that I honestly think there aren't more than like three or four players in college basketball last season who could have done that stuff. So that is the kind of recovery that uh, that kind of make, made me fall in love with Suggs' game. Again, he was my favorite player to watch. The football stuff does mean something. He's strong. He has good upper body uh, control. He's a gr- He's got great control. He's a great shift of pace player. See, I think Suggs is, has such potential – because he's a monster in transition, and he's not 
He's, he's not like John Wall or De'Aaron Fox where he wasn't like a meet-me-roadrunner kind of point guard. That's not what he was. He has quality athleticism, but not absolute top-shelf athleticism, particularly when it comes to his speed. But he's got a rugged confidence to his game and transition that made him a nightmare to face on the break in college. He had composure to anticipate defensive commitments from other players or was aware enough to make the right pass almost every time. And because he has such good balance and overall body strength, which I think was also informed by his his football background, he was able to even improvise on the dribble or after leaving the ground. He was... uh, he was as as smooth of a player in those kind of frenetic situations as we've seen in a good while here. He just turned 20 last week and as far as I'm concerned, like he is ready to start Parish. He's ready to start in the NBA from day 1. That's not always necessarily the case with a top 5 pick, but it's impossible not to love his game because he has this wonderful combination of confidence, smoothness, but ruggedness at the same time, like it, it's kind of hard to describe. you got to really watch him, and obviously most people listening to this podcast did watch him. He made the freaking national title game and helped Gonzaga to its, you know, statistically its best season ever from a record uh, standpoint there. Um, he's good to go. You mentioned that we could look up in two years, three years, and be like, it was all there. We should have seen it. Now, I'm not saying I, I don't want to uh, I don't want to misrepresent the case I'm trying to make here, but you are seeing this. Uh, even if you'd still take him second, you are seeing this right now with John Morant. Because John Morant played at Murray State, there was a little bit of like, all right, do we do we want to go? But you are seeing everything material. And I don't specifically pick Morant because of who he plays for and who I'm talking with on this podcast. He is the most recent uh, exact example of this. It was all there for two years with Morant in college, and he is progressing along. You could even say he's ahead of the pace, and that's fine. But he is that guy. You saw it all. And I could easily see Suggs being the exact same thing. We look up in two years, and I don't know if the team he gets drafted to is going to necessarily be in the playoffs or anything like that. I don't know that. But it's all too easy for me to envision him adapting immediately and being an impact player, potential rookie of the year, second-year player. You're like, damn, is this guy an all-star already? I I could see him going along the same path as Morant, whereas Zion, he's still considered the guy you should have taken in that spot, but because of injuries, it has made that conversation a little more interesting than it was going into the draft. The other thing I like about him um, is that he was a five-star prospect, McDonald's All-American, all of those things coming out of high school. And he goes to a team that is built to win, with or without him. Obviously, they're going to be better with him, mm-hmm. but Gonzaga was going to be good with or without him. And he came in and he didn't try to take all the shots. He didn't try to score all the points. He was very comfortable fitting in. In fact, at Gonzaga, you know, he was third on the team in points per game. We're talking about a guy who might be the second pick in the draft who was the third leading scorer on his on his team. He was third in shots attempted per game. And since you bring up John Morant, who was a Memphis Grizzly, I'll bring up that what it reminded me of, and I made note of this many times throughout the season, was a former Memphis Tiger, Derrick Rose, who was the number one pick in the 2008 NBA draft. Um, Memphis went to the Elite Eight the year before D. Rose enrolled with a core of Chris Douglas Roberts, Robert Dozier, Antonio Anderson, Joey Dorsey. And D. Rose comes in and, and 
and just joins that experienced core. And he didn't come in and try to take all the shots. He didn't come in and try to be the dominant personality. In fact, he wasn't. You know, he was second on the team in shots, second on the team in points per game. That season, people remember D. Rose, but Chris Douglas Roberts was actually the first team All-American. Derek was, uh, I I think, a third team All-American. And I I think there's something to be said for that with Jalen Suggs, that he was able to comfortably join an experienced core that had already accomplished a lot without him. Remember, the Zags would have been a number one seed in the 2020 NCAA tournament had we had a 2020 NCAA tournament. He comes in and he doesn't disrupt anything. He comes in and he just makes everything better. And that's not always the way it goes with five-star freshmen. They can come in and they've got their eyes on the NBA and they feel like the way to get there is to take these shots and show this and show that. And just watching them throughout the year, you never felt like he was disrupting anything. He was, or or that he was bothered that Drew Timmy was getting more shots, or Corey Kisper was getting more shots. Those guys were scoring more points. It didn't seem to matter, and that's a, I think, terrific trait that you have this guy who is clearly the most talented player on your roster, but he doesn't equate that to I have to. I'm the I'm the most talented guy here. I'm the projected top five pick. I need to get more shots. I need to get more of this. It didn't matter to him. The only thing that mattered to him was winning. It was the exact same thing with Derrick Rose at Memphis. Now, in the NCAA tournament that year, 2008, he turned it on, and then he took off. But that was because John Calipari like encouraged him, like, okay, kid, go. It's time mm-hmm. to go. Um, Sucks had some of that in the NCAA tournament, not to the same extent, but – I could never get that out of my head that here is a guy who's going to be, um, you know, a top five pick, perhaps a top two, but didn't seem to act like it didn't seem to let that influence the way he fit in with his teammates. Derek Rose was terrific in that way in 2008. I thought Jalen Suggs was terrific in that way in 2021. And it doesn't mean I think Jalen Suggs is going to become the youngest or second youngest MVP in NBA history, but I do think it's a, 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 a plus characteristic that that's worth pointing out. Absolutely. Uh, to me with him, I, I I just it doesn't matter like which way uh, the water's slung or how fast he will adapt to the current. I actually think that does not matter what team he goes to. He is built to succeed. That's again, that's not always the case with every single top five pick and every single draft. There, uh, he's going to adapt, and and that's why also if, if for for whatever reason you know I, I know the overwhelming majority of people that listen to these podcasts are college basketball fans, but obviously there's no shortage of you who also love the NBA and have favorite NBA teams. If for whatever reason your team winds up with the second or third pick, um, this is actually a year to be encouraged with that. And if you get Suggs, again, like there's reason for you to uh, hold out some hope that you might wind up getting the best player in this overall, uh, in this draft class here. Like I think, I was trying to think like, a player who came out of college and became, you know, top 10 level kind of player that Suggs' ceiling might match and... The games are not identical for sure, but I think defensively with the the upside there and uh, given the role this 
player has currently. Like, I think that like Donovan Mitchell type is Suggs's ceiling. I think he could potentially, and Donovan Mitchell is not a top five pick. Um, so he's just one that certainly comes to mind. Uh, where if if you want the ideal outcome for Jalen Suggs, it's it's Donovan Mitchell's type of impact. I can yes, I can see in five years a situation where Jalen Suggs is the best player on his team real quick on the weak spots again not a ton shooting consistency fine like I get that he hit one out of every three po- threes he took but he had 6.4 per game like he wasn't asked to do a ton and he shot 58.8 percent on two pointers to begin with so yes I think the um the knock on the long distance stuff it's fine at this point understandable but I think he can grow into it he has a 6.5 wingspan on a 6.3 frame okay good not great that's fine and then a little bit with his handle just a little bit like he's got a good handle but he was a bit prone to getting his pocket picked just occasionally but other than that there's not a lot there man he's defensively he's super promising like you I, I had in my notes plus defender you said that earlier absolutely I think he's got a shot at being a top 15 top 20 all around defender in his prime if he absolutely commits to it great feet good upper body um, I mean, what more? What more can we say? This is basically as enthusiastic of a of a draft profile pod as we've ever had. Just because, again, there's not a lot of downside with him. In fact, just to loop back with few, and one thing that I think will also benefit him. I I think I mentioned this on one podcast earlier during the season when I was building out the one to three fifty three rankings or whatever. Um, for whatever reason, I wound up talking to a few. I want to say like mid October of last year. Got to talking about this team and why they were projected to be the best team uh, by you, uh, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was a completely different situation from the year prior. We've talked about this before. The year prior, Mark Few thought he might have had you know, one of his worst teams, and not to say that they were bad. He just didn't have high expectations, and the hello, they would have been a one seed had we had a 2020 NCAA tournament. It was different going into last season. Gonzaga clearly projected to be uh, potentially the best team in, in college basketball. So then we got to talking about Suggs, and I was asking him how he was doing. And I remember Few saying... He's got good promise, but he's hitting the same exact preseason freshman wall that every single other player we've ever had has hit. I think he's going to be able to figure it out, but, you know, he's just, he's going through it a bit right now. Just suggesting, like, he was just hit, like, he was going through typical September, October growing pains. You flash forward to their first game, Suggs goes for 24 points, eight dimes, four rebounds, two steals, and was the best player on the floor. So I bring that up just to say... Not that the transition to his first NBA game is going to be the exact same thing. Of course, of course it's not. But he has an ex- he has the great benefit of a good IQ, great um, great skill set and body type for the NBA, and a, a wonderful ability to adapt. So he he is a player that I think you can have as much confidence in for immediate impact as anyone in this class. It's funny, coaches. And disagree if 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 you think this is off, and I don't mean every coach, but often coaches do exactly that with their freshmen. Yeah. They get so caught up on the little stuff that they're not getting in practices, particularly when they're surrounded by upperclassmen and people uh, people who have already been in the program and so who know all of the little things. I, I cannot tell you how many times I've talked to coaches in the preseason. And you ask them about their heralded freshmen, and they're like, ah, really talented, but, uh, you know, not quite there yet. But they always get caught up in the little stuff. And then and then the games start, and they're just playing, and then it just it just breaks right through. I remember, I think the, the, the one that sticks out to me, Jared Sullinger coming into Ohio State. Because I'd seen him on the grassroots circuit, and he was just over physically, you know, not a great athlete, not seven foot tall, but just knew how to play. 
And I just didn't think there was any way that guy wasn't going to be a great college player. In the NBA, we'll see, but a great college player. And I remember I was going to make him a preseason first-team All-American. And I talked to the the staff. This was Thad Mata's time at at Ohio State, obviously. I remember talking to the staff there. You know, and I was like, hey, listen, I'm thinking about making Sullinger a first team All-American, but like you guys, I ain't seen him since Peach Jam. You guys are seeing him every day. Am I, am I, am I stretching it a little bit? And I was, and I was told, you know, he's, he's got a chance, but I don't know about that. And then like within the first two weeks of the season, I was texting back to the staff like, yo, I tried to get this right. I knew this guy was going to be special. They're like, he's blowing us away now. He's really playing. You can't see it in practices because you're focused. It's just the nature yeah, yeah. of coaching, I guess. You, you know, trees. You, yes, yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't. You get caught up in the little things in the practices and you forget that when the game starts, this guy's just going to take off. And I, I, that was certainly true with Sullinger. I'm certain it's true with countless other freshmen. And um, yes, based on your story, that appears to have been the, the exact same thing with Jalen. So you get a first-year player in a gym in detail-oriented workouts with mostly other players who have already been in the program and they're not going to grasp some of the things you need them to grasp as quickly as the other players. But okay, now let's set that aside. Let's go play. Let's, let's put a scoreboard up and let's go play. And that, that guy, he'll figure it out pretty quickly when it's time to play the games. I hear you. Last thing for me, just for just a, uh, just a fact checking note for anyone listening uh, going forward, his shot to win uh, the semifinal officially per the NCAA 37 feet. So if you see, if, as we get closer to uh to real like draft season and you see that highlight over and over if you see anyone calling it a 35 footer or a 40 footer just know officially per the NCAA Suggs is winner one of the most famous shots in the history was 37 feet out shouts to Devin Downey shouts to Chester South Carolina shouts to Curtis Gerald's legend shouts to Lauren now and thank you guys once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball Podcast middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime if you're not subscribed please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts including Apple Podcasts. We will talk to you again real, real soon. Till then, take care. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.